This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. This is the Rotowire Audio Fantasy Football Draft Kit. I'm uh, Rotowire President Peter Shanky, along with managing editor Chris Liss. This is August 23rd, 2016. This is uh, an audio compliment to the cheat sheets available at rotowire.com. You can get a free 10-day trial there, rotowire.com slash Twitter. Get all the cheat sheets. And this podcast is presented by FanDuel.com. Get a free six-month subscription uh, with a $10 deposit at FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have the $10 available to play on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW and uh, get all our draft prep stuff. But we're going to do it in audio format here, Chris. This is the second one we've done of the, of the, of the preseason and uh, did a couple weeks ago. It's not a lot's changed in the preseason. Not a lot of major injuries like last year where Jordy Nelson and Kelvin Benjamin tore their ACLs and the wide receiver rankings were all, all shifted. What in the last couple weeks, what, what, trends, what trends are you seeing in the preseason? What's changed since you did the magazine uh, last spring? You know, it's not so much, you know, as you said, big injuries or trends. Uh, it's just certain players. Like, I manage our cheat sheets and our, via our projections. I do the projections, and those turn into our cheat sheets. And, like, you know, maybe a month ago I had Laquan Treadwell pretty high because I was like, oh, they're buzzing about him. He was really good in college. He's a first-round pick. But then Stephon Diggs everyone starts buzzing about. And I would kind of written off Diggs. I was like, hey, he was a fifth-round pick. He had, like, two or three good games, faded down the stretch. They draft Treadwell. Treadwell's the man. But then Diggs gets this buzz, and he's a second-year receiver. We always want second-year receivers because those are the most likely to break out. And so now I you know, kind of flip-flop them. Now Diggs is the guy I have 40th overall, and Treadwell I've moved down. So, you know, just stuff like that at the bottom. You know, Michael Thomas got up a little bit because he was getting, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of hype in, in the Saints offense. And Sean Payton just said, I think you retweeted it, um, a Kay Adams quote that was just – you know, I don't play fantasy, but if I did, I would draft Michael Thomas. Now, you know, that stuff is usually BS, but it's better that he said it than he didn't. You know, I mean, it's, it's something. And so I've just really been shuffling around based on, you know, Devin Funches moved up, Kelvin Benjamin moved down, same thing. They're saying, you know, which one of the guys is going to be the real number one receiver this year? They don't know. Funches is another second-year guy, looks really good in camp. So it's just little stuff like that, and it does matter. I mean, you're, you know, you're going to draft differently with that new information than you would have three weeks or four weeks ago. But as far as, like, your overall draft strategy, how, how you're approaching the first round, how you see the player pool, no, uh, no major changes really as the first two weeks of preseason went off? Not really. You, you know, I, I think we were already here two weeks ago, but I just said that early in the preseason and certainly in May – uh, I was skeptical about David Johnson because I thought it was going to be one of those frustrating guys where Chris Johnson was getting all these cheap goal line touchdowns, and you're sitting there like, man, that's my first-round pick, and there's some other guy poaching all the touchdowns. But then the stuff that I read uh, in Arizona camp just talking about how he's the next Marshall Falk and they're putting him in the Hall of Fame, and then I just – now David Johnson's my top back. So, you know, the things like that would change. And because of that, because the upside is so great 
and he's so good as a receiver and so efficient and in a good offense. I might do something weird like pick four, take David Johnson. And that's not something I would have done a few weeks ago. But generally speaking, you're still kind of a wide receiver first, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, all things being equal. Yeah, it's just – here's the thing. Everyone's doing it, so you're going to have like four or five guys in your league at least, at least in a sophisticated league, going heavy wide receiver. So you're all doing the same strategy. You're all competing for the same backs. But when you take three receivers in the first four rounds or four receivers in the first four rounds, and you're like, great, I'll take Gio Bernard or Carlos Hyde or, you know – Matt Forte or whoever, those guys, you know, Ryan Matthews, those guys are there in fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And if you do it the other way, the receivers you're getting are going to be guys like Stephon Diggs, Sterling Shepard. And you feel a lot better about those backs um, than you do about those receivers. And it's just an easier way to draft. So, yeah, I mean, all things being equal, the early receivers and, and draft backs and rounds, you know, five through eight is, is, is still the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I generally agree the same, but I think that if you can start out your draft, and especially if it's an, or it's an auction, especially if it's an auction, where you can get two of, you know, Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson or Adrian Peterson or Todd Gurley, and that's the start of your draft. I think that's where you can zig when others are zagging, and I've been able to do that in a couple leagues. Uh, the Brad Evans of Yahoo uh, league that he sponsored, you know, the Huevos draft, where I got Le'Veon Bell and. Uh, uh, who else did I get? Uh, Devonta Freeman and uh, one other top running back whose name escapes me. I think Anton Gurley. I got all three of those guys for less than $100 in an auction. I felt like that was a, that was a way to zig when everybody else was zagging. You know, everybody else was spending a ton on wide receivers. And then in an auction, unlike a draft, you can still, you know, kind of figure out some spots where you can get some value at wide receiver or at least get the guys you really like. But when you start out running back, running back in a, in a regular snake draft, you know, you, there's just no way uh, to avoid that. You know, your, your options get thinned out pretty quick, a wide receiver. Right. I agree with that. I think you can just go crazy stars and scrubs, get two or three good backs, two good receivers or one good receiver, and punt everything else. And you're right. You can't do that in a draft. They're just not there. Um, I also, I don't know how much, we, I can't remember how much we talked about this, and I wrote a, a blog post on this, but... I really think that uh, in MFLs, I want to go running back heavy early because the, the top backs that are three-down guys, that's really the only somewhat stable commodity in the whole position, right? Once you get into, like, the round five to seven guys, who the hell knows, right? And you can just get receivers on volume, and you don't have to figure out what t- you know when Torrey Smith is getting his 50-yard touchdown or when Deshaun Jackson is. And so you can go uh, with, a, you know, just – safety and numbers at receiver and get your three really good backs. Uh, whereas in a season-long league, it's the total opposite. Whereas the receivers are very hard to, to manage week to week because you don't know when they're going to go off. So you, you go big on receiver uh, early, and then you just safety and numbers and running back, which is you just get a whole bunch of running backs and hope a few of them stay healthy and keep their roles in the middle of the late round. So it's really the total opposite strategy between best ball and season long, and again, I don't remember if we talked about this. I've been saying this a lot on the XM show, but it's almost like season long, real season long is MFL. What we call season long is a hybrid of season long D- and DFS because DFS every week me, yeah. you're starting over again in a way. And so it just it just makes it, um, I don't know, I just think it's destructive to look at it like that, and you will figure out the running back situation uh, over the course of the season in a, in a season long league. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Plus, in the MFL leagues, the wide receivers were going just as crazy as the NFFC or any other format. So you really could reap the value at, at running back, especially early on. So, um, And then, you know, the other uh, principles we had, you know, we talked about running back and wide receiver, but quarterback as deep as ever, tight end, you're either taking Gronk or you're waiting forever. I mean, that's 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 been my strategy. I think you'd agree with both of those, right? I like Reed. Okay, I think Reed is legit. Um, and you know, you know, it'd be somewhere in the third round. Sometimes he falls to the fourth. In the fourth round, I'd way rather have Reed than, say, Devontae Parker or Tyler Lockett, who both of whom are often going in the fourth. It's like Jordan Reed is kind of the number one receiver in Washington, and they don't really have a running back. And Kirk Cousins had a good second half last year, a great second half. So I think Reed is obviously a concussion risk, and, and that's really the big downside. But, I mean – He's a number one receiver qualifying a tight end and available in the third or fourth round. So I, I'm happy to take him. But largely I agree. You know, once – you know, I, I kind of – I was saying this on the radio, though. I kind of think you can go Gronk one, although two is where I would take Gronk. 
three for Reed, though four is obviously ideal. Uh, five or six for Olsen makes some sense. And then seven or eight for Kelsey, I think, makes sense. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's about like that, and, you know, all of which would have to be a bargain. And then after that, it's just Austin Safarian Jenkins in the 14th. Yeah. All right, let's move ahead to quarterback. Let's talk, go through our rankings here. Quarterback, uh, you've got Cam Newton as your number one guy. Then uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. Where are you dipping your toes into the first tier at all? Like, well, how far? Round how five. Far? Round five. Any of those. I think those four are all kind of equal. Like, I don't – Cam has a harder schedule this year. I, I, Rodgers, I'm a little nervous because everyone's pricing him, including me apparently, as if last year didn't happen, which it did. And maybe that was just a blip, but we don't know for sure. And it did happen, but whatever, he's there. And then Wilson and Luck. So any of those four in round five, if you don't like, if you don't see one of the sort of pet receivers or if you want receiver heavy, if you go receiver heavy, you almost never take a QB in round five, okay? Because there's plenty of backs that you like in round five. But if you go running back heavy early and zag, uh, you see a lot of crappy receivers. You know, are you really going to take Sterling Shepard, you know, over Andrew Luck? You know, maybe not. <laughs> you, know, you might say, yeah. "All right, I'll just deal with this receiver problem next round. I'm going to take one of the elite quarterbacks." Don't you find that that it almost makes the problem worse? But if you go early running back, you're like, "All right, well, now I'm just going to take a quarterback because there's no really, really good option otherwise." Yeah, I mean, that's what I did in my NFC, NFFC draft, the beat Pete Chanky League. You know, I went with Gurley at the 10th pick, which I thought was just too good to pass up. I went with Garak, which is a little bit different in the second round, just because I figured one way to get ahead of the wide receiver run would maybe to be just get a leg up on everybody at tight end. And then I got to the fifth round, and I was like, you know, I just don't really love Larry Fitzgerald or, you know, some other options here. So forget it. I'm just going to go with the guy who I think could give me the – best Matt, you know, the most points every week at, at the quarterback position, and that's Andrew Luck. So I just, so I took him there. So I, that's, a, I think that's a little out of character for me, but I could definitely see the case. But generally speaking, in most of my leagues, I'm usually the last guy to take a quarterback. Yeah. It's interesting though, because it does get, you do get paid back on the back end a little bit. I mean, it's not a huge thing, but you take the QB in round five and you're like, okay, that's pretty ugly. My receivers aren't going to look really good. But in rounds like 8 and 9 and 10 when other people are taking quarterbacks and you don't need one, it, it actually you get paid back by one more pick that you didn't use a quarterback on. So you lose that fifth, but you get a ninth, right, or you get an eighth. And it's, it's not a great trade, but sometimes when you're looking at receivers and, and you see Kevin White or, you know, Emmanuel Sanders in, in round five and you see Michael Thomas or, I don't know, you know, Devin Funches in round eight and you're like, eh. Five and eight, the receivers aren't that different, right? So I may as well take an elite quarterback. I don't feel like you do get something back on the back end is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. But but just to show you in that same draft, you know, I got in as my backup quarterback in the 16th round, 15th round, Tony Romo, who I would probably would have been with as my starter. So you can wait forever. And, and in, in the Vegas league that we drafted back in July, I was that, you know, I was the probably 17th, 18th guy to take a quarterback and he was my starter and I ended up with uh, Matt Ryan, who's, you know, I'm fine with him. Mean, he's not great, but he's probably going to get 25 to 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. So, you know, maybe 4,500 yards. So, I mean, you know, you can live with that, you know, week to week and, and, and survive, I think. So, um, well, anyway, back to the quarterback list. Then you got Breeze, who I think, I guess, you know, a year older and the, the offense declining is, is a little bit lower than that top tier, where he's usually been in that top tier. Roethlisberger, Bortles, Cousins, I think Eli. Breeze has one real headwind uh, and one tailwind. The tailwind is Michael Thomas, the second-round pick, is blowing people away in camp. And Brandon Cooks is in year three. And they got Fleener, okay? And Snead has been a competent possession guy for them last year. I think their, their weapons are better than they have been since peak Jimmy Graham. So, like, that's good. The negative is that Drew Brees is a below-average quarterback on the road. I think he had, like, nine touchdowns on the road or something like that last year and not that many yards. He's a monster at home. But two of his home games are against Denver and Seattle. So, if you – you know, I, I thought, okay, Brees is the best platoon guy. It's like a course field hitter. You just play him at home, and then you pick up, you know, Tony Romo or whoever for Brees' road games, and you end up with a top-three quarterback almost for sure. But then when you take away two more games, I mean, maybe you use Breeze at home against Denver or Seattle, but it's, it's not like you're looking forward to that. Um, it's it's ugly. I mean, he may only have six games that you feel great using him. Yeah, so um, 
so I, you know, I haven't really gone after him just because I just, I don't know. I just kind of feel like things are on the, on the decline in generally with that offense, but you make a good case for some of the new weapons. Maybe that can revitalize them. If you're going to wait on the quarterback, you're going to skip all that. You're going in, into past the top 10. Who, who are the guys you're trying to target? Yeah. Just I looking mean, for? It, it, I love Kirk cousins. I love Eli. I love Jameis Winston. Those are the three guys I like best. Okay. Winston usually is the cheapest and you can get him in like the 10th or 11th round in the NFFC. And I'm, ecstatic about that um usually i end up with him rather than the other two just because i play chicken longer and those guys go and i'm fine because i think they're all equal um i like marcus Mariota's upside i i'm a little nervous about his floor as your every week 12 team starter philip rivers the opposite i'm very confident about his floor i don't see a whole lot of upside so those that you know with winston i see both with cousins i see both with eli i see both with rivers and Mariota, i see one has floor one has ceiling same with tyrod taylor he's just like Mariota. Lots of ceiling, a little nervous about the floor. Andy Dalton's like poor man's Philip Rivers. Not nervous about the floor, but nervous about the ceiling. Matt Ryan, kind of like Dalton. You know, same thing. So, you know, the reason I'm, I'm laying on Eli uh, uh, Cousins and, and Winston, and Bortles sometimes slips too, is it's got floor and ceiling. Yeah, I like Winston and Mariota. I mean, they're top picks coming out of college. In the case of Winston, had a good rookie year. I mean, these are the marquee talents you know there's you know one of them's bound to be a take a huge leap this year i would think so uh, one league i have them both you know and 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 hopefully one of the two pans out so those are the two guys i'm usually kind of targeting don't even mind with romo i know that you not a big romo guy because you just don't think that they're going to throw much to keep him healthy and that they're going to have a great uh running situation with elliot as their running back but he could still be crazy efficient and you know he could probably survive so those are some of the late guys i'm looking at well let's let's turn to uh wait wait, wait. what about yeah, rg3 Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's you know preseason. We don't want to say anything. You know, preseason doesn't matter, but he's looked kind of good. It matters I mean. for someone like him. Last year in the preseason, he looked like somebody who was one of those horror movie victims that runs into the exact wrong place to get killed. You know, oh, hide in the closet. You know, that's great. Now you have no way to get out. He would just kind of move around the pocket, be indecisive, and get destroyed by the defense. And I actually liked him as a sleeper last year until I watched the preseason game. I was like, oh yeah, right. This is the problem with him. But Hugh Jackson's kind of rolled him out, shortened the, uh, I think, shortened the, the reads that he has to make. You know, if he doesn't have his first read, maybe he can just take off or dump it to a running back. And, I mean, we, we saw what he did as a rookie. He owns that season. He got out of Washington, which is just a toxic place for him. I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, as a second QB, if you get luck or one of those guys, maybe just wait and get Griffin as your second QB. Yeah, the only problem is just that he's not going to run like he did, which is really what his value was. Why, why, why do you think year, that? So. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's where his added value was as a fantasy quarterback. And if he didn't run, he'd have no value. Why do you think he's not going to run? Well, I just think all those knee problems and surgery, you know, surgery oh, stuff like that. I, I, the little bit that he did play and you watched last year, he was just as fast as ever. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's. I mean, I look the cost is the cost is there. I mean, it's not going to cost you anything, so you might as well take a flyer, right? Because you can definitely get him as. I mean, probably, you know, he's got Josh last Gordon coming back week five. He's got a first round pick in Corey Coleman. Terrell Pryor is a physical monster. They've got Duke Johnson out of the backfield. They've got Gary Barnage. This is the, the money ball, uh, Paul DePodesta, whoever's running the Browns. You know, they've got a, a smart coach. I mean, this may be – who knows, man? I mean, there's no rules in the NFL. There's no rule that says the Browns have to suck or their QB has to be, you know, terrible. I, I just think, you know, he owns that season. They have the weapons. They have a, a team that might open things up and, and tailor the game plan to him. Josh Gordon played with Robert Griffin at Baylor. Man, I don't know. I, I still think there's like a, I'm going to say there's like a 10 to 20 percent chance that he's a top 10 quarterback, and you can't say that about many of the guys drafted 25 and later. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the organization's probably going to be smart enough to realize what they have, as opposed to just getting angry at him and getting rid of him, right. which is kind of what happened before. All right, well, let's switch to running back. I mean, that's really the. It sounds like the one place you've made a big move here by moving. Uh, by moving David Johnson to your number one overall, pretty much both format, right? PPR and even standard scoring. In at running back, yeah, uh, I'd still take the big three receivers. Although I'm a little soured on Julio Jones, so I might even put Johnson at third overall. But yeah, I just, I just think that you know, I, once I heard there was buy-in from Arizona and it wasn't going to be that. Well, he fumbled and his pass pro, you know, you know that BS that coaches go through. But Arians is more aggressive than most. The guy's, you know, considered one of the best receiving backs in football, and he's got power, speed, everything. He does everything, and he's in a good offense. 
that maybe there's some risk of Carson Palmer to go down, but Drew Stanton isn't that bad, and maybe they would just run it even more. So, uh, you know, you're looking at basically, in my opinion, uh, a healthy Le'Veon Bell with no suspension risk. That's what David Johnson is. And then you've got Todd Gurley, number two, and, and uh, let's see, as far as running backs go, and you've got Le'Veon Bell, number three. So how, how much of a bump did he get from his suspension being reduced uh, one game from four to three? He got a bump of whatever the percent is uh, from, you know, 12 to 13, right? So what's that, like 10%? So move, move, move up a place or two, basically, in the rankings? Yeah, I just gave him, you know, because – I think, first of all, they're going to work him a little harder in those 13 than they might in 16 because he's fresh. They, you know, they, can, they don't have to spread it out as much. So I gave him 243 carries. I think if he played 16, he'd get like 285, 290. Um, I gave him 10 TDs. I think he'd probably get 13 or 14 if he were playing a full season. And then I gave him 55 catches. I think he'd get about 70 if he were playing a full season. So um, maybe I'm being a little aggressive on him. I'm not really pricing in any more uh, – Weed transgressions during the season, maybe I should. But there is some injury risk reduced with the three games off, you know, so you don't want to double count that. I mean, there, there's he misses three games, not due to injury. He's going to be healthier. Doesn't take the wear and tear. Can't get hurt in those three games. So there's a little bit of, you know, if there's a quarter game missed due to injury, that goes, goes back. Um, also, it's better to have Le'Veon Bell's stats in 13 games than it is stretched out more because you get him plus three replacement games added on to the stats. So I sometimes artificially bump up the Brady's and the Bell's a little bit because you're going to get something while they're out. So their raw stats aren't really a fair calculation of what they're worth. So, yeah, he is number three. Um, I think everybody else has a teeny bit of, uh, you know, various risks. And I'm maybe uh, in the minority on this, but I don't really think Bell is, an, is a particular injury risk beyond being a running back. He did not have an ACL tear. He was completely healthy well in advance of training camp. He was unlimited from the get-go in training camp, unlike Jamal Charles or Jordy Nelson. It's a totally different situation. Okay, then you've got Devonta Freeman as your number four running back and then Ezekiel Lamar Miller. I would say that most most other people would, would have Freeman outside of that top five. They'd have him six or seven or eight. But you still got him number four, even in standard scoring. Yeah. Um, think of it this way. Um, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't even really – done anything yet because he's had a hamstring injury and those things can get aggravated or become a nagging problem and he's a rookie and he has a domestic violence accusation whether or not there's merit to it we don't know but it's just I'm not going to put him ahead of the number one overall running back from last year whose role in my opinion is exactly the same as it was last year so he's a little bit behind I obviously the the ceiling you don't have to make the case for it's obvious Lamar Miller I just don't know what to do with him I know a lot of people are, are all in on Lamar Miller and fine. I mean, they could be right. But it's just a guy coming from a different team that didn't really feel especially inclined to retain him, um, who hasn't carried a huge load before, and who has all the measurables. He's fast. He's big. Um, he's efficient. He can catch passes. Houston should use him a lot. I mean, everything's kind of in place for him to be good. It's just a guy in a new team who – Former team game up on him. I still have him as the sixth overall back, a second-round type of guy. But I just can't – I'm just not feeling the sort of all-in is definitely going to happen for him. It might. That's that's the best I can do. Yeah. Freeman is somebody I have a lot of drafts. I mean, he's he's going lower than any running back, any player who the previous year was the overall leader in fantasy points. And without having injury, coaching change, I mean, nothing has changed for him, right? And so he's going so low. I've got him a ton of leagues. ADP – somewhere between like 11 and 15 in most formats. So I think he's a real bargain. Um, so then after uh, Miller, you have Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, C.J. Anderson, Eddie Lacy. Adrian Peterson, we've debated before on, on the show. Again, I, other than the fact that he's a year older, and obviously that's a, that's significant because, you know, every year someone gets into the 30s, the track record is horrible. But other than that, you know, there's really nothing you can even point to that says he's declining. His, his yards per carrier are good. His quarterback's fine. Uh, or better, although he's nursing a little bit of an injury this 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 uh, preseason, but I think Bridgewater will be fine. Offensive line, they bought some guys, so I think you know there's no reason to think he's going to take a big decline. Um, but most of the rest of the fantasy sports world, including you, is very doubtful. And one thing I think is very strange is on ESPN, and I'm sure it has to do with the draft rankings, the you know the pre the pre rankings in the draft room. He's actually number three overall in ESPN uh, ADP. You know, in other leagues in formats, I think in uh, NFFC he's number what 15 or something like that. So 
just a wide variety of opinions. Well, well, what and that, is PPR versus standard? He really takes a big hit in PPR. Even yeah, it's true. But even in the standard ones, he's still well, you know I in the, low in standard. But look, I mean, I gave him two sixty two for twelve hundred and eleven touchdowns. Who who has the most rushing touchdowns among my running backs? Can you see? Are you looking at the projections? Uh, let's see if I can uh, scan it up pretty closely. You got Todd Gurley with 13, and then you have Adrian Peterson with 11. Right, exactly. So he's got the second most rushing touchdowns, 1,200 yards, and 28 catches, and another and a receiving TD. So it's not like I'm burying him. You know, it's not like yeah, I'm right. predicting a, a collapse. I'm just predicting all these running backs for a 16-game season, unless they're coming in with something already. Right, I, Mark Ingram and Jamal Charles are not projected for all 16 games, right? Those guys were projected a little lighter, uh, maybe 14 games. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I obviously we could do the, the everybody gets 15 and a half or 14 and a half games like you probably should if you're being totally realistic. But to me, that's not interesting. It's sort of like, what are these guys going to do assuming they stay reasonably healthy? That's sort of the, the prediction. And so everybody's got kind of good stuff, but you know half these backs are going to get hurt, right? And so if Peterson stays healthy, he's going to be a top five back because – He's going to get those, you know, the numbers I have projected for him or something like it probably. And when half these guys go down, he'll be – you'll be like, ah, oh, Peterson, he's number three again. Yeah, well – Unless his, he's his the one who goes down, of course. <laughs> then, then you'll say <laughs> well, he, he has been, been number three again had he stayed healthy. Well, he's – you know, he, he did miss the last few games of the one year with the ACL tear. But otherwise, he's been pretty healthy. Obviously, the suspension, which was, you know, an oddball one, uh, yeah, doesn't usually but, happen. You know, that, um, you know what Bertrand Russell, the philosopher, said about inductive reasoning? It's like – Jumping off the Empire State Building and counting the windows as you go down. And when you get to 80, saying, so far, so good. Yeah, that's true. Well, I remember two years ago, we put a huge discount on Marshawn Lynch, and he was out of the first round, and he had a great season. Then the year after that, he fell off the, you know, last year, he fell off the face of the earth. I, I don't, I, I really don't, I'm kind of with you, though. I'm not, like, predicting a collapse for Peterson. I just think if the other guys stay healthy and perform, they're going to do better than him. Yeah, that's true. Although I think, you know, he's the rare physical specimen. I mean, the guy that came back, you know, what, seven months from an ACL tear and almost at the uh, NFL months. rushing that's not, record. That's not, you nine know, months. crazy. Nine months. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he's the kind of guy that I think could defy the aging curve a little longer than most. But, you know, we'll see. Okay, so beyond the top ten, you know, you're, you're not taking a running back in the middle rounds. And now you need to load up on running back. Or you didn't take a t- let's say you didn't take a, a running back in your first two picks. And you're in the middle rounds and you need to load up on running backs. Who are the guys that you're eyeing? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to get running backs. Um, in the middle rounds, I'm taking a lot of Charles Sims. I think in a, P, in a non-PPR, it's a little different. But in a PPR, I'm taking Charles Sims because I think he's useful enough uh, as a fill-in. And if Doug Martin goes down, he could be a monster. Um, I would take Rashad Jennings. He's got the job. The Giants offense should be pretty good. Um, I would take... Um, you know, later on, Derrick Henry, although he's getting pushed up pretty aggressively, he looks great in preseason. He's just a DeMarco Murray injury, which obviously can happen away from a monster role. He obviously will have some role no matter what happens. Uh, other guys, Bilal Powell, uh, I think that, you know, Matt Forte is not – he's just not a 280-carry running back at this stage of his career. I think Powell's going to get 100-plus carries, probably get 40-plus catches too, so he'll be useful. Uh, DeAndre Washington is another guy. I couldn't project him up that much. Have him at 42. I just can't project a backup to some huge number. But I, I wish I had him in more places. I just don't trust Latavius Murray. He's very big and upright. The Raiders have a better offensive line, a better defense this year, at least on paper. And some running backs should be pretty good in that system. And maybe it'll be Murray, although I'm not really on him. But if it's not, it's not like Murray is so established that DeAndre Washington couldn't take his job. So that's a guy I'll be targeting too. Yeah, like I mean, I like Carlos Hyde. I've ended up with a lot. He seems to fall. I mean, San Francisco's offense, if it's going to be, you know, the Chip Kelly, lots of snaps on offense, somebody's got to benefit. He seems like the main guy. Um, his advanced metrics show that he broke a lot of tackles last year, so he seems pretty good. I'll take either one of the Cincinnati running backs. I mean, you know, Bernard and PPR. Yeah, I Same like thing Bernard Sims, and PPR. Where they, you know, they if they, you know, they, they, they you can plug and play them. Eat the utility each week in the two two running back system, and if one of them gets hurt and you own the other, you've got great you know great guy you know great great player so those are guys that end up a lot in terms of the middle rounds although in the middle rounds if i'm going wide receiver early i'm not too picky i mean i'm just going you know quality quantity over quality and just taking whatever i can late round sleepers um 
you know, you know, I don't Wendell Smallwood, anyone in, in a in an unsettled back you know situation with a with an injury prone you know starter. I mean, just I'm gonna I'm gonna take them. Uh, you know, Robert Turbinson, Robert Turbin, and anybody in, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, I mean, you know, Ferguson was supposed to be the guy there to get the PPR. And I still think he's a lot upside, but he's kind of he hasn't really done much in the preseason. But you know, Frank Gore's old, so if you, if he's gonna fall off or get hurt, somebody's gonna benefit. There's gonna be a lot of passes in that offense. Those are some of the, the sleepers I'm looking at super late. Yeah, Sean Drone is another one in that probably two-back offense, and Hyde's been injury-prone in his career so far. The whole Ravens backfield, whether it's Javoris Allen or Terrence West, somebody is going to get those carries. And I'm not sold in Justin Forsett. That's someone I'm fading. Uh, I, did, I did a little uh, blog post on yards per reception for running backs, and it kind of jumps around a bit, but you see guys who are consistently good like Charles Sims, at least in the two years he's been in the league. Danny Woodhead's been pretty good when he's been healthy. You see, like, the good receiving backs. And there's, then there's a couple at the bottom. And Forsett always has low yards per reception. I just don't think he's that effective of a pass catcher. With Mark Tressman, uh, maybe Javoris Allen, who did a decent job last year, gets more work. Uh, I don't, I don't, and so, you know, maybe Terrence West gets more work. So I'm targeting those guys. Jarek McKinnon, you're not targeting because you're big on Peterson, but uh, I think there's a lot of upside should 31-year-old oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson get hurt again. Chris I mean, Thompson, he's a lot good PPR just... back. I mean, he's, you know, the, the Redskins with Matt Jones hurt and not even that good don't really have a starter. I mean, they were talking about, um, what's his name, Rob Kelly, who I, I didn't even know who that was a couple weeks ago. And so I, proje- I had to project him. Um, I'm not really – Keith Marshall's the other guy. He's not doing as well in camp. So, you know, there's a lot of wide-open situations. And if that's the thing. Like, if you punt running back, there's just so many options for you that might yeah. blow up. And receiver – it's just so hard to find a guy that you're confident, A, that will get enough targets, but B, that, you know, you would even know to start him if he does start getting some targets. Yeah. I mean, McKinnon, I mean, while I'm high on Peterson, I mean, it, you know, he's a great backup. You know, he's a great lottery ticket, right, because he would get all the work. Same with Tevin Coleman, right? I mean, he's, Well, he's also you know, talented, McKinnon. He's also fast yeah. and can catch passes. So, you know, it, it's like he, he's the clear backup and he's talented. I don't know what they're doing with Matt Asiata, but I have a feeling McKinnon owners, it would be a real thorn in their side for some yeah, reason. He, he, he might like, be like a goal line back to steal away some touchdowns, but that'd be about it for the most yeah. part. Um, all right, we'll switch it over to wide receiver. We talked about the big three. and then who, So then who's your number four guy after that? I mean, because that's really kind of where the rubber meets yeah. the road for, I mean, for wide it, receiver. It's Allen Robinson. Um, in PPR, I, I wouldn't want to take Hopkins over him because I just don't think he's as good as Robinson, but the volume is sort of a good case for that. And also AJ green will get volume. AJ green's in between. I think he's more talented than Hopkins, maybe not as explosive as Allen Robinson at this point, but you know, we'll get more volume. So those are, you know, those are the kind of the next big three for me, Robinson Hopkins and green. And they're close enough that, you know, in non PPR, I like Robinson just cause he's a touchdown guy. Um, but in PPR, you could really go either way. Yeah. I like green of those three. He'd be my number four, just because the reliability is, almost as good as anybody in the draft, right? It's, yep. He's, he's going he's to put the numbers. And usually in my first-round pick, especially if I'm going early with wide receiver, I want to go safe uh, and then take some shots later. So then after that six, you got Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton, Des Bryant, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall. Uh, but Cooks, I think, is the one guy, at least that's kind of stood out to you, that you seem to own more drafts and be aggressive on. Well, if, you if see I'm, I'm not an eight, mistaken. right? Nobody else yeah. has him that high. You know, certainly not ahead of Dez. Dez, I was going to move up because I was like, yeah, people are drafting him. He looks like he's healthy. You know, even if Rome was hurt. Dak Prescott looks good. And, you know, good enough to at least have Dez do his thing if Dez is healthy. So that kind of not – I can't say I'm sold on that, but at least it's it doesn't look as dire if Romo got hurt this year. Um, and that – I was about to move Dez up, and then he just got a concussion, so I held off. Um, Dez is just, you know, he got, I think, 137 targets in 2014. That's not really what you want um, from your number one receiver, especially from a first-round pick. I mean, Mike Evans could get 165 targets. Cooks only got 129 targets last year, but I just think there's room for growth, even though because the Saints passed so much, and even though they spread it around, I think Cooks – if he has the breakout where he's one of the league, clearly one of the league's best receivers, which I think he can be, um, I think he'll get the target five. I just don't see it for Dez. I think Dez caps at 140 and maybe stays at 130. Yeah, but he's more of a red zone guy than maybe anybody else in the league, right? I mean, he's 
He's one of the premier touchdown catchers in the entire league and maybe in league history. Uh, So he might make it up by getting 15 touchdowns or something. He could get 15 touchdowns, but, you know, I projected for 10. Again, once the concussion clears and he's fine, I'll probably move it up to 12 and make him the second most highly projected touchdown guy this year. But Dallas is going to run it a ton. And if you own Dez, you're going to have whole halves of games where you're like, why aren't they targeting Dez? Because they're just running every single play. Then you got Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper, and Jordy Nelson. Now, Jordy Nelson's off the PUP. He's been practicing. We haven't seen him in a game. We won't see him in a preseason game. I'd be shocked. But at some point, if the reports are really good, does he does he jump up at all? Or do you have him priced for being fully healthy? I, yeah, I'm not in on Jordy Nelson ahead of where I have him. I have him 84, 1,209. I think that's – and, again, I'm pro- – you know, projecting these guys mostly healthy. Maybe Jordy's more of a 14-15 game guy because he's coming off that injury and he's 31. That's about it. Uh, I just think it's it's been two years since we've seen since we've seen Jordy Nelson be the elite receiver that he was, or at least a year and eight months, and that's when he was 29 years old. So I just that's it, 15th receiver, and I'm not pushing him any higher. All right. So you started your draft running back, running back, and you need to fill in with wide receivers. Who are the mid-tier receivers that, you, that you've got your eye on? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends. You know, Dante Moncrief usually going early fourth. Um, and so if I've gotten – if I'm in the right place in the draft, I, I like him. I just think Luck is going to throw it a ton. Uh, another guy I'll end up with a lot is Devontae Parker. I think year two, he already kind of had somewhat of a, a breakout at the end of last year. And with Adam Gase there, I think it's going to be a good situation. Tyler Lockett, although I may move him down a little. I'm a little concerned that he's not on the field sometimes in three receiver set. I mean, in two receiver sets, it's been Jermaine Curse. And that's a little troubling. I think Lockett's way better than Curse, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's what the Seahawks do. So that's just sort of a – he's a guy I had been targeting, but now I'm rethinking it. Michael Floyd uh, with Larry Fitzgerald a little banged up. I kind of like him. Had a big second half. John Brown seems like he's coming out of the concussion. I like him. Um so those are, you know, that sort of four through six. And then there's, you know, the guys in rounds six through nine, and we can go over those too if you want. Well, yeah, in the middle ones, I mean, Reynald Cobb I like a lot. I still think the Packers' offense bounces back. But he's going to the third round, Pete. you got to take him in the yeah. third round. Yeah, even so. I mean, I just, you know, I want to get a lot of Packers and Colts. I feel like they, you know, they have, they have premier elite quarterbacks who had bad seasons and are good candidates to bounce back. And I'm not a big bounce back guy in football because – their career arcs are short, and once it gets going the wrong direction, but I think those guys can break the trends. So that you know, and, and obviously Moncrief, I'm uh, big on as well. Um, yeah, middle middle tier. I mean, you know, only quarterback. I mean, the only running back. Sorry, wide receiver that's bounced around here is Jordan Matthews, is a little bit, bit dinged up. Larry Fitzgerald probably be fine. You know, later on, who are your targets in the next the next tier? Yeah, the next tier. Um, I've been landing on Kevin White a little bit. He slipped. <clears throat> And I know the reports have been a little spotty on him in, in camp. Sometimes they say he looks great. Sometimes they say he has to work on everything. That was a quote from his coach. But he's a physical freak. He's a first-round pick in his second year. Even though he didn't play last year, he still was around the team. He's more experienced in the NFL. And also on Jeffrey is so injury-prone. Kevin White has crazy upside. And even as a number two, I think he can be solid. They don't really have any depth. Um, Torrey Smith I like. He's often there in the seventh, eighth round. The number one guy, he's been consistently good for a lot of years. Chip Kelly's offense will be some volume. Uh, Sterling Shepard I've been targeting, although Victor Cruz was practicing today. Got to see more. I don't believe it. I still don't believe it. Yeah. I said I don't believe it. You know, but yeah. I, 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 I'm not worried about him. About right. so, Shepard and they have him. no depth. They have nothing after Cruz. They have, they have a bunch of undrafted guys trying to get a role, but nobody good. And so Shepard will get a big role with minimal coverage with Beckham on the other side. Stephon Diggs, been laying on him a bunch. Um, Corey Coleman a little bit, although I'm a little worried that Josh Gordon's going to take his stuff. I'm not really getting a lot of Josh Gordon because he's costing like a sixth or seventh round guy. He's missing four games. I don't know if you can start him game five. You know, like what what do you do with him then? So he's really missing five games unless you're really thin at receiver. And, you know, he could be great still, but it's been three years since he was that guy. That's just an eternity. I hope he's good. I really like Josh Gordon. I think he got screwed by the league, but... I, I'm not in on him at the price aggressively. I, I don't mind having him there, but it's I rather just have a sure thing that's going to get targets. Yeah, in every league, there's always one guy that is way higher than 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 me on Gordon, and, and so I just don't even think about it. Later on, I like you know 
so we're getting more into the dollar days of uh, auctions or you know late rounds. Like I like you know Devin Funches, you know good good training camp reports. I don't think Kelvin Benjamin's his necessarily going to come back. It's the Stobel League though, Pete. He's oh yeah, be dollar I know. Days now. But he's still not expensive. He's still not expensive. He's, he's just not a buck a, anymore. He's a seventh rounder now, I would say. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, why, why, that's a lot. I like I like Dorsett. Like Philip Dorsett. I mean, he's going to be on the field a lot. They're going to, the Colts are going to run three wide receiver sets. They're going to be throwing a lot. Their defense is going to be. Uh, medium to poor, but, you know, Vontae Davis, their best quarter is going to miss the first, uh, you know, first month of the season. Um, uh, so I've had him in a, in a ton of leagues as well. First round pick from before. So those are, those are some of my late guys. I like to snag, you know, yeah. medium to late snags. Um, all right, well, let's turn Marcus to Marcus Wheaton, actually. Um, you oh. know, there, there was some buzz on Sammy Coates and then I've heard that kind of wear off. Wheaton is the number two receiver in Pittsburgh. He just is that for now. Maybe Sammy Coates passes him. Maybe Sammy Coates isn't that good. Ladarius Green has a foot problem. There's rumors about concussion, which he seems to deny. Le'Veon Bell's out four games. Marcus Wheaton could get 125 targets this year. And if something happens to Antonio Brown, nobody's invincible. Marcus Wheaton could be the number one receiver for Roethlisberger, and he's built very much like Antonio Brown and Santonio Holmes before him. You know, 5'10", 190, 4'4", speed. I'm not saying he'll be as good as Antonio Brown if he got that role, but... There's actually upside there, and I think there's a decent floor unless Sammy Coates just becomes amazing and takes over the role. All right, so let's switch over to tight end. We talked about Gronk before. We talked about Reed. After that, you got Olsen, Delaney Walker, Travis Kelsey, Ertz, Kobe Fleener, Dwayne Allen, Gary Barnridge, Antonio Gates. That's your top ten. If you're not going to get Gronk, you're not going to get Reed, uh, and you're and you're just going to punt tight end, then who are the guys you're looking for in the later rounds? Austin Safarian Jenkins. I just – I think like he was a prospect that was supposed to be good. He got two touchdowns week one last year, got hurt, had some bad training camp reports this spring. I mean, not training camp, offseason, whatever they call them, OTAs. Uh, seems to be back in the good graces is, again, the starting tight end and um, could have a huge breakout. Year three is perfect for tight ends, and he's flying under the radar really cheaply. Yeah, I like Dwayne Allen, but his price has always been pretty cheap, pretty expensive. More, you know, He hasn't gone super as, as late as I wanted him to. But I still think there's a lot of targets to go around. He's the only tight end tight end in town in, in, in uh, Indianapolis, so it's gonna it's gonna pan out. Um, as far as you know, rookies now in the preseason, this actually matters a little bit. Uh, you talked about Corey Coleman, Derek Henry, uh, anybody else? Michael Thomas is a guy name that's bumped. Uh, that's really kind of bumped out. Devontae Shepard. How about some of these backup running backs? I mean, Devontae Booker, Kenneth Dixon, Paul Perkins. Procise, Jordan Howard. Who are those? Who are the names there that pop out to you of guys that you none of them you want to grab? None, none of them are really. I mean, they're all they all have a shot to do something eventually if things break their way, and they might. But there's really nobody. DeAndre Washington's the guy that is interesting to me, and I, I talked about him already. Um, I just you know Devontae Booker. You know, looks like he may beat out Ronnie Hillman, and actually, actually he's interesting because I think Denver is going to be forced to run a ton. They're going to hide their quarterback. They've got a great defense. And if C.J. Anderson gets hurt or, you know, does what happened last year, fails or gets hurt or plays through an injury and isn't that good, Devontae Booker has some upside. I guess out of those guys, I would take Booker. And the one rookie name we didn't mention last time we did this podcast, but he's kind of jumped up on the map, is uh, Tajay Sharp in Tennessee, which after the trade, they traded arguably their best wide receiver. He's going to get, you know, he might actually get a starting job. What do you think about him? I don't know what to make of him. I mean, the reports in training camp have been very good. Like the pro football focus has him as their top receiver in the preseason so far, top rookie at least. He's 6'2", 194, kind of on the light side, only 21. I, you know, I, proje- I moved up with his projection to 833 yards. It's not a real pass-heavy team. Delaney Walker will cut into it. They'll throw to the backs a bunch. I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I, you know, I have him in, what, like 50th receiver or something like that, but I don't end up owning him that much 54th receiver i have him yeah so well certainly he's a name to, to keep track of here so and then kickers and defenses obviously they're your last two picks the only thing is we've kind of debated the the last uh the, whether you should go around later on gostkowski and uh i did some math you know on this because i know we had the debate on the show and the the uh the track record of of picking kickers like the number one overall kick, the number one fantasy kicker since 2000. Are you doing year-end or ADP? 
uh, based on ADP, okay, right? And then, I compared, okay, and, then, and then I compared it to the to the you know year end, right? And they actually you know on average finish out of the top ten. They're just you know it's like oh they finish, sorry the first overall kick on average amongst position finishes eleventh eleven point four. So that's how bad we are at predicting kickers. Um, and the I, I can't I can't believe I, there must be some outlier that finished like fiftieth. It's like dragging down the. No, yeah, the worst finish from a, from from a top one was a, like twenty second or something like that. Okay, I mean, you know, Nate Cadling got hurt one year, and, and, he, and he, so he finished dead last, right? Because he tore his ACL, I think, on the right. kickoff of the first count. game of the year. Just delete that from the data. Yeah, but even if you even if you got rid of him, it's still really bad. But the difference is, Guskowski, he's finished, you know, four, first the last four years in a row. Right. He's he's the only he's been projected to be number one, and he's hit it three times. He's actually in the in the years where he's the for four years he's been or five years he's been projected to be first or second, he's actually uh, averaged one point eight. So like he's money in the bank. So even though I totally think you should just not even think about kickers, it, I could see making the case to take him like the your your third or you know instead of taking him with one of your last two picks, you maybe a round or two earlier you take him. But that's about it. Yeah, but it's weird because if Goskowski can be an exception, then there can be exceptions, right? I think it, so. You, you got to kind of know what you're dealing with a little bit, right? Yeah, it's true. But I mean, he's he's the one that really sticks out like a sore thumb, right? I mean, if you look over the last you know 16 years of drafting, he's the only guy that's that's got a, a but, pattern. But what if we what if we just because I, I don't know, kickers are just so much better than they used to be, right? Like it used to be kickers, it's like a 45 yard field goal is like 50 50. Now it's like 85 15. Right, and there's so many more kicks attempted from beyond 50 than ever before. So a lot of times these kickers are kicking 80, 88 to 90 percent accuracy, and they have seven attempts from beyond 50. Right? It's like unheard. Yeah, of. but but they're all good, and then and then it really comes down to the predicting the fluky nature of offenses of whether they're going to stall in the red zone or not. You know, so it's just no. I mean, you know, that, there's that some of that, but as I said, it's like if you have a game that's projected for nine runs, another game that's projected for seven and a half. So often the seven and a half is goes way over and the nine goes way under and but it doesn't mean it's not <laughs> that that baseline is invalid. It just means you know, I mean, in other words, there'll be you know some amount of stalling and and settling for field goals and some amount of converting that's unpredictable. But you still can think that the Patriots' offense is probably going to generate more points for its kicker, you know, and some other offenses similarly. But especially, obviously, the Patriots are have been money in the bank. But it's, it's not random, right? And again, like if if to test this theory, and we should make a bet. Let me know if you're willing to make this bet. Um, I will. I'll take Goskowski, or, or I'll take someone other than. I'll take Justin Tucker, right? And you take someone that I have ranked between um, twelve, uh, fifteen, and twenty. So we're not talking about guys. You can pick anyone I have ranked between fifteen and twenty, and I'll give you. Twenty-five bucks if you win, and you give me twenty bucks if I win. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll do that one in principle. Probably the better bet would just be, you know, you get Goskowski and I get like, you know, the next ten kickers. <laughs> no, no, no. no. That, I'm not betting against the field. That's different. I'm not saying he'll be number one. I just have. A, I just think that there'll be a str- he'll be a strong kicker, right? Like I don't. Of course, I would take the field, but like I, I would say, even though the field is lost to him every year, I'd still take the field. But I'm saying I'm taking. T- I'm, let's leave Goskowski out of it. I'll take Tucker. I'll take my number two guy, and uh, and you can take anyone. You know, Matt Prater's in there. Matt Bryant's in there. You can choose, and I'll give you odds. <clears throat> because if it's totally random, take getting you know five to four odds is. is I'm being so generous, Pete. I'm being incredibly I'll, generous. I'll I'll take that, and I'll even let you kick my pick the kicker that you want. No, no, you got to range. I don't want to hang myself with the. <laughs> Well, fine. I'll take uh, the guy who's Prater, the, Matt Bryant, Janikowski. Sean I'll take Janikowski just because he's now. most likely to keep his job all year. So there you go. Who's so that? Janikowski because he'll actually keep his okay, job. So right. I'm gonna email this to you. So I got Tucker. You got Jan, and, and the Raiders are perfect. They got a better defense now, better offensive line. This is a perfect field goal team. I'll take Tucker. You take Janikowski. My 25 against your 20. Done. Most points. Done. Okay, done. Done. Right. And that, and just to show you how thorough we go in this podcast, we we, we make better, you know, we make we make uh, speculative, you know, guesses uh, on competitions on uh, on kickers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nobody in the industry is doing this. Nobody's making kicker bets like this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's it. I mean, what I mean, other than that, uh, what other just general piece of advice would you ask for someone who's listening to this and you know drafting tomorrow? 
I know this is it's going to make you upset, but I, I honestly believe this. Like, just draft a team in some order with players that have skills and opportunities. Don't do anything stupid. Like, don't draft QB in the third round or, you know, don't draft a non-Gronk tight end in the second round. I mean, don't do anything stupid. Draft skilled players with roles and then just pay attention. I mean, I, I just think this quibbling that we do over, like, well, I got Eddie Lacy. Oh, I hate Lacy. I love Mark Ingram. Oh, I hate Ingram. I love Lacy. It's like, dude, nobody knows. If you just just be smart, get you know receivers and running backs mostly early. Wait on your QB. You're going to be fine if you pay attention. But it, you know, in week eight, you're going to have half your team is going to be different players. So you got to be on it all year. But otherwise, I don't think I think the draft these days is 25 to 30 percent of it. Well, I generally agree. I mean, I, I think you need to get the players you like, do, do your homework, study up, play your hunches, get the players you like. In my experience, those are the teams that I always do better with, and you just never want to ever, you know, ha- use the phrase, I had to take him because his ADP was there because he was sitting there. No, if you don't like the guy, don't take him because there's just so much variance. You know, it just it, it doesn't matter. You know, you're yeah. going to – st- Remember, it's, it's fantasy football. If you make a mistake, it's fantasy football. Like, never – be cowed out of your pick or your preference because it might be wrong. I mean, so what? Then you made a mistake. You could easily the, – the stakes are low. Even if the stakes are relatively high, they're still low. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, you, know you and I have studied this a lot more than a lot of other people, but we've mocked people for their picks and, and had it and been completely wrong. So, you know, just go do your homework and, 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 and uh, take the guys you like, and generally it uh, works out that way. And remember, if someone mocks your pick, it's a gift. It means that your pick is going to be very good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Unless I'm the one mocking it, in which case it's going to be terrible. Yeah. So that's for the podcast. Again, our, I want to thank our sponsor, FanDuel. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, you'll have that $10 to be able to put to play on FanDuel. It's great. Listen, I play it. Um, that's over $40 in value, just over 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. Good luck drafting. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.